Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a wonderful week. I did. I got to say, 2023 is not disappointing me so far this year. Not only did it hit almost 85 in Austin this week, in the middle of January, which I am not complaining about, freakishly warm weather here, but I'm here for it. But I've also started off this year with a gangbuster amount of clients in my business. I had to open a whole new day on my calendar for coaching, which is a good problem to have, but it does put a little bit of an interesting uh, twist on my other goals that I have for this year. Nevertheless, I am so excited for all the new clients that I have because they're all amazing in their own individual ways. So today I have a fun chat with a fellow ADHD coach. So if you've ever felt alone in your ADHD struggles, then listening to this podcast is going to make you feel like you're part of a big old club because we ended up talking about the things that bring people to coaching the most, like what are the the common complaints and how we help them. And it's just interesting that what she came up with was the exact same thing that I've experienced as well. And not only in our clients, but also in ourselves. So we share a little bit of a personal reflection and what we hear from our clients, how we help our clients. And then towards the end of the podcast, we talk about where we see the practice of coaching, especially for ADHDers, uh, in 2023 and beyond. And we share what we think would probably be most appropriate, but I would also love your input there. So when you finish listening to the podcast, if you're listening to it on Spotify, just scroll down the app and you'll see a place where you can leave a voice message for me. I would love to know your reactions to the things we talk about in terms of how ADHD coaching can better serve ADHDers going forward and what your thoughts are, because I think that this is an important topic for all of us. One-on-one coaching is not accessible to everybody. So how else can we expand our services to help and support ADHDers in a more robust and affordable way? So all that to come on the interview. Thank you so much to Emily for her participation and for sharing and just being an amazing guest. I will put all of her information on the show notes. So if you want to go follow her or check her out, you can definitely do that. One thing I will say, you will learn very quickly that Emily is a French Canadian and does speak French on her uh, Instagram. So I follow her. I have no idea what she's saying, but I just love hearing people speak French. So I'm quite happy just to listen to her go on and on in French. And if that appeals to you too, then you're going to want to follow her as well. And she's just an awesome person. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation where two ADHD coaches dish exactly what their clients are complaining about when they come to them. See you next week, guys. We were just chatting before the call about our coaching experience over this past year. So I said, we got to stop talking now, hit record (laughs) and shift into a conversation. Yep. Why don't we start with, I'm curious to know, like of the clients that came to you this year, What was the main theme that was driving them into coaching? The feeling of being overwhelmed, of having no no more space or room in their lives for personal achievement. Like they were like barely surviving 
the day to day. And they were like, okay, I obviously I attract people that are around my age, which I'm 41. And they got to this space of being like probably midlife. And they're like, okay, everything I wanted to do, I can't do it because my life is like all over the place. And I want to do everything, but I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Can I just tell you that is the exact same thing that I am dealing (laughs) with? This is how I believe ADHDers are, right? Like we're overwhelmed because we want to do all the things and we say yes to all the things. And then we get overwhelmed and do none of the things. (laughs) (laughs) We start. That's what that's when we were good at something. We start something and then it's it ends. The like the the interest ends or it's too far away or there's any reason that it's not sparking our attention for like a couple of weeks and then we just let go of it. Yes, mm-hmm. frustrating because reaching goals takes a lot of dedication and time, which is not what we're good at. No, no. And so I know that there's a bunch of listeners nodding their heads right now going, oh my gosh, it's me. (laughs) Uh, What would you say to them? I would say that it's possible to reach whatever you want to reach. For sure, we have to make sure that the goal itself is something that is not straight out of your unicorn dream world you have in your head. Mm -hmm. Very common. But when you have a reachable goal, it's possible. It's just that it's a learn. I think it's mostly to learn how to use your brain, how it works, and how to use it, and how to do the thing anyways. What do you mean by that? Do the thing anyways. Like I know that you're a fitness enthusiastic. I'm probably sure that some days, some weeks, probably even some months, you were like, "Yeah, I don't want to do this." Every day. <laughs> okay. So then, how do you get yourself to do it? I don't. It's not a negotiation. There you go. That and there, if the only reason I was working out was to lose weight, and I think that's a valid reason to to work Mm -hmm. out, but if that was the only reason, it would never happen for me because the end game there is so long. I get a tangible physical benefit every single time I work out. It's amazing. Even today, I asked you if we could postpone our call because I had a million things to do this morning and I needed to get that workout in because I wouldn't be able to focus on this call if I didn't. So to add to what you just said, and I agree with all of it, but I think that also there's that, it it has to be meaningful and it has to be tangible. Coming back to that idea of magical thinking, and there's a lot of things that we want to do, but a lot of it is externally motivated. We see what other people want and we want that too. And we're just so quick to say yes to everything that we start down the road and then we forget why we started in the first place. And yep. that leads to the poop out. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice, nice way of saying it. Yeah, we just poop out on our goals. Yeah, like I would feel that same way with working out if it weren't an intrinsic motivation, knowing that I need this for mental hygiene as much as I do for physical hygiene. Not physical hygiene. Yeah, uh, yeah. My health hygiene. <laughs> but you probably experienced the what it feels like to work out and what it doesn't feel when what how it feels when you're not working out there's a difference that you experience so then even when you don't want to do it you have the opportunity to ask yourself how do I want to feel how do I want to be and I think it's probably one of the keys of coaching is like ADHDer has to give them time to try something they want to reach for enough long to 
feel the benefits of it that when I don't want to do it, they can remind themselves. There's an example I give to my clients all the time, my keys. Every year struggle finding their keys, okay? So I decided to have somewhere in the house where it's my keys are there, okay? There's a little board with hooks and my keys are there. It's not going to work magically. Like my keys are not going to go back there by themselves. I wish they would, but I'm not living in a magical world. So I have to put them there. So I designed a routine that when I come in the house, I remind myself, put your keys on the key hook. Because if you're not doing it right now, you won't remember later. And then I remember every time that once I forgot my keys for a whole week in the backyard fence, and it was... Minus 30 in Canada, okay? I locked myself outside. Oh, that is yeah. brutal. That is brutal. That'll get you to remember next time. <laughs> yeah, but you remember why I'm using the strategy. I'm not remembering why I put, where I put my keys because if they change every time, I'm not going to remember it. Yeah. So I remind myself, why do I need to put my keys on the key hook even though right now, that's not what I want to do. Right now, what I want to do is drop there anywhere and do whatever I have in my head and figure things out later, which might not work out super nicely, like forgetting my keys in the door. So I have this experience in my head of, if I'm not using my strategy, I know what I'm capable of. I don't want that. I want to have my keys. So I see the gain in using the strategy. That's what, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm focusing on. I love how you put that. I read just the other day, this came up somewhere and I can't remember where it came up, but it, somebody said <laughs> the brain does what it wants to do, right? Yep. Like we can have all the best intentions to create plans and organize and all the things, but at the end of the day, the brain is going to do what it wants to do. And if the brain wants to, you know, eat, I don't know, cheesy bacon snacks, then it's going <laughs> to do that. Unless yep. it knows that when you eat cheesy bacon snacks, you want to throw up after because they're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and then the brain knows, oh, I don't want to do that. So it does something yeah. else instead. So there's, yep. so, it's, I think at the very essence of coaching and even, I don't, I can't speak for therapy, but the essence of coaching <laughs> is connecting your brain to a why that yep. is going to motivate it differently. I got to yep. tell you, when I first heard of Simon Sinek's Start With Why, it did yep. not connect for me. It did not connect for me. But when I learned that the brain is going to go ahead and do what it wants to do, unless you give it a good reason to do something different, that's when I was like, okay, now I understand why we need to start with why. The why, what I heard of Simon Sinek's why, I think it's too broad. And if you want it to work, it has to be super specific, like my key problem. Like there's a real experience attached to it. I was so ashamed. I had to go to my girl's school and ask the secretary, can you call my daughter and ask her to give me her keys? Otherwise, I would have been locked outside of my house. No wallet, no keys. So like, I can't use my car. Yeah. <laughs> I can use like, no wallet, no keys. I can't even go in a coffee shop and spend the day there. Like, I have to buy something. I was so ashamed. But I, I lost my keys that every time I have this, I don't want to do this. Like maybe feeling like a little entitled of like, why me? Then I remind myself, that's how my brain works. He's not going to remember where I put my keys. So the only way I can 
know where my keys are is if they're always at the same place, which is on the key hook. Mm -hmm. The why is very precise on the behavior that you want to change, knowing where my keys are. Mm -hmm. Then you add them up. And then when you add them up, you get somewhere else where you can try to reach for maybe bigger goals, like goals that take many habits to stack to reach. Do you understand what I mean? Totally. Because systems are everything. You've got to take that cognitive responsibility out of your brain and put it somewhere externally that it yeah. will either remind you or do the thing for you. And I actually yeah. just talked about that in a podcast that was released today, how much that has changed my life. And that was probably the one thing that coaching has really made me aware of and learning about. Because you know, we, we say, oh, once you learn your brain, you can learn how to use it properly. But what does that mean? That's what it means. It yeah. means that there's that gap between desire and execution. Yeah. And we've got we've to fill that in with processes yeah. and automation in order to make the, the wheel go. <laughs> yes, obviously. That's why like, I say, I always say to my clients, don't rely on your memory. I know that you think that you're going to remember it. You don't remember it. You mm -hmm. won't I know you can remember very strange stuff. Like when you're <laughs> super interested in something, you can like probably say all the specs on the, I don't know what that you're interested <laughs> in. That, that's super nice, but you're not going to remember the appointment or to call someone or like some stuff you're not going to remember. So do not rely on your memory. Then. What do you want to use? How do you want to get your memory outside of your brain? Like I personally like paper agenda. <laughs> I have a paper agenda. Everything's written on there. There's like a color code and everything. But I understand some people prefer like virtual agendas or other ways to put their things on, not on paper, but visual so that they don't have to rely on their memory. It's or, true. Uh, yeah. So it's more like when you know your brain, you know what kind of, strategies and tactics and reminders you need to make it work. But mm -hmm. you have to accept first that your brain is different. And that Absolutely. if you're trying to use regular coaching or strategies, it's probably not going to work. Like relying on motivation. That's yes. I don't think that works for anybody. I don't know. That's not a thing. I always say I am not neurotypical, so I don't know what's going on in their head. Oh, that's true. I don't know. That's true. Maybe it does work for them. <laughs> Maybe. So with your clients this year, can you yep. think of a moment or a transformation that sticks out in your mind that you saw a client go through this year that was just memorable? I, it's probably not one time. It's like when I coach my client, I ask them or I suggest very strongly that they try to do it prioritizing in their week. and to go down to maybe 15 to 20-ish tasks they want to focus on for the week. And what I really like is when they start, they put a hundred thing on there. Mm -hmm. Oh, everything that is on there is obviously something I not do. Like it's like a life or death. And then they reach the end of the weekend. They haven't done like two things on that paper. <laughs> and they're like, it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, next week we're trying to try to go down a little bit and down a little bit and down and down. And then when it, they've been doing this for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, what I really like is to see that they don't really have to do it anymore. They're so used of the process that yes. they know, like they have this kind of idea, okay, what do I really have to do 
what is just like a probably magical thinking thing like I am not gonna paint my you know, like piece of furniture outdoor when it's like there's snow. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna paint them. There's no point I'm putting them on my to-do list. Yeah. And when they realize that when you're doing your to-do list in a way that fits your brain, you can almost do everything on your paper. That's something I really enjoy seeing. Yeah. I saw I've seen a lot of that this year. I've also experienced a lot of that personally this year. <laughs> And obviously that comes back to prioritization, which is an executive function. And we are really mm -hmm. not good at that. Yep. I did a group coaching experience a little while ago. And in that experience, I had everybody do a to-do list. And then I told them that we were going to focus on one thing and one yeah. thing only. And I am the discomfort and the, oh. I can't just do one thing. <laughs> But, the, but coming back to that thing that we talked about at the top of this conversation was we think we can do all the things and then we end up doing none of them. And just picking yep. one thing or three things is so hard because everything feels important. It's just, it's, it's it, amazing. It, it feels important. Or I always ask that. Why do you think it's important? Is it because you want to influence how people think of you. And also, do you have your negative bias in or your perfectionistic bias in? This week I had a shooting at my house. We I have a cat oh, who's God. a nightmare. When you say shooting and you oh, live in the sorry. United States, no, like, that, and so when you said I had a shooting at my house. Uh, how do you call that when someone comes into your house? Photo and, shoot. Like, <laughs> no, it's what? not a photo shoot there. Oh. They did a, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's not the right word. <laughs> For us, it's that in French, but it's like more they filmed. Okay. Okay. For, it's, a, it's for a TV show. I have a cat who's a nightmare. She really bites us super badly. And there's a TV show that they're, they, cut, they bring someone in that kind of knows the psychology of cats. And it took the whole day. And yeah. That was and, fun. Yeah, that was super fun. And then when the weekend before, what do you think I was doing? What? I was cleaning my house. Like people are coming in to film. I'm going to clean my house. Mm -hmm. Then I was looking at everything that is not perfect in my point of view. Yeah. And I was like, maybe we need to sell the house. <laughs> so on Sunday evening, I was like, okay, I'm looking for new houses. We're selling the house. This oh one's too gosh. much to do. <laughs> and you know what? People came in on Monday and they were like, you have the most beautiful house you've seen in a long time. Oh my god! I was like, this is my negative bias. Yes. All I look at are the stuff I think that are that people are going to see and think that are not perfect. But they yeah. don't look at that. They look at the stuff they like, like the way my furniture layout or the colors that land in or whatever, and the light that comes in from the windows and everything. I don't look at that. So we have a very strong negative bias and a very strong perfectionistic bias that makes us want to do stuff that are not that important. Focus on the flaws. That's pretty much all we can see. So it sounds like you and I have had almost parallel experiences this year in terms of our clients and what people struggle with. And I hope that my listeners feel a little less alone if those are the mm. things that they struggle with, because it's something that we all struggle with and yep. it's not a flaw. And once you're aware of these things, it just makes things so much easier yep. to, to deal with. It just comes with yep. the knowledge and acceptance that this is how my brain works. So I just need to tweak it. And that's 
where coaching really comes into that part of your support network. Yes. Speaking of coaching, what do you see as trends in 2023 since diagnosis and just ADHD in general continues to be popular right now and growing. And I see the coaching industry growing as well, but I also would love to see new ways of supporting clients in a non-traditional sense. In your opinion, like how do you see coaching industry servicing ADHDers in the future? I think and the thing is, coaching is a long process. And because one-on-one coaching is very expensive and like being comfortable of staying in coaching for a whole year or maybe like year and a half to get the process done might sound like, e, ooh, that's a lot of money. And I understand. And also what I realized that is that they expect a lot. Like, it's not something that I can turn you around in, within a month and then it's going to work. If I could, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think it works that way. So I think probably like models, some sort of group coaching or membership, but it's hard also to be in a big group that the coach doesn't know you and that it's always like like general coaching. You understand what I mean? Mm. But I also like the idea of asynchronism using like a voicemail app. I know some coaches are using Voxer or there's another one, Telegram. Wow. And then you can text and or send voice messages. I think it's that there's something really interesting in there. I really like it because it gives space to the person to react or to think. And I understand that some people are not really comfortable being super vulnerable with someone they are just seeing on zoom one hour a week but via text or voicemail you have the time to get the emotion and then the emotion comes down and then you can think of what's going on and what happened like what happened within your body and your mental reaction and then you can get something out from it that is not just uncomfortable right now i don't know how to answer to this or had that yeah, definitely. And there's everything you said, yes. And I think ADHD are very often being verbal processors and just needing to talk. Sometimes yep. I get on a call with a client and they just need to process. And we're mm -hmm. at the end of the hour and they're like, oh, I just verbally threw up all over you, which is totally fine. That's what they needed in that moment. But sometimes I think that there's a benefit to verbally processing and then maybe sending us a second voice message saying, you know what, you don't even need to listen to the to that whole 40 minute rant. I just needed to rant <laughs> and I'm just yeah, glad it's yeah. out there in the ether. And that's just a specific example. But to that same end, I personally find that I respond better when I have a moment to take mm -hmm. in what was said and process it. When you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, coaching is such a listening thing, right? Like you yeah. really have to pay attention. Sometimes I'm focused, but then my brain goes over here and it goes over here and it goes over there. It's like, bring it back, Karen. So I think that it can also help both parties really absorb what's being said and responding mindfully yeah. and creating that exercise of the pause, which is so yeah. hard for us because we want to react yeah. right away. It gives you a moment to pause and think, before you yep. respond. There's a lot of exciting ideas. And in terms of my listeners, 
if I would love to hear what you all think, you have access to a voicemail box through Spotify. Asynchronous coaching is something that you think is interesting. Tell us, like we would love to hear and understand what the needs are. Cause I, I do think that coaching continues to evolve and it needs more accessible both for clients and for coaching. So on that note, thank you, Emily, so much for having this conversation with me. Where can people find you on the internet? I am on Instagram. I also have a website. It's my name, amelieleveille.com. So they can reach me down there. Okay. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. All right. Thank you again for joining. And I really appreciate it. And if you want to learn more about this amazing coach, I will have more info in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.